the number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, Autobotulinum Toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. I'm going to go on record and say I've never given anyone any deadly lipstick. That's, I've not done that. No. Plan not to. <laughs> Welcome to the first episode of Women Tech Charge, the new podcast from the Evening Standard, with me, Anne-Marie Imaphidon. In this series, I'm speaking to some of the smartest women in the world about how they're taking charge of not only their own lives via their tech careers, but those of thousands and sometimes millions of other people. In this episode, I'm talking to a woman who's a senior leader at GCHQ, which is one of the UK's intelligence agencies alongside MI5 and MI6. She's not James Bond or Q, but she's a real-life powerhouse working to protect us all. Are you sitting comfortably? Let's get started. I'm sat here at a top-secret location in West London called Northcliffe House, opposite a woman who is keeping us all safe and ensuring that cyber analysts have the right tools and kit and also know how to use them. She's a deputy director at GCHQ, which for those not in the know is the government communications headquarters, and they sit alongside MI5 and MI6. She has worked on topics as diverse as child sexual exploitation, drug busts and cybercrime. Welcome to the podcast Q. I mean, Lady X. I mean, Beth. (laughs) (laughs) It's lovely to be here. Thank you for coming. Thank you for um, agreeing to do this as well and opening up the secrets and telling everyone. I know you're putting your life in in danger and my life in danger. It's it's in your hands. Yes. And those are the listeners, all of you um, are now going to be in trouble. And how would you describe what you do? Because I kind of I spoke about a lot of different topics there in the intro. Mm -hmm. What's your how would you describe what you do? Um, So my current job, it's about looking at the the technical tools Mm -hmm. that our analyst workforce need. Um, So the actual kit, but also how they use it. And then, of course, the skills that they need to acquire to be able to do their jobs effectively and making sure that they, they can have really meaningful careers when they come in the building. Okay. And so that uh, GCHQ is a decent career option in addition to making sure they've got the kit they need to do their jobs. So they're not, you know, almost like, they're the opposite of Johnny English, I guess. Johnny English has all the kit and no idea that these are people <laughs> who like have all the ideas and have all the kit that works. We hope they've got the gear and the idea. And the idea. Yeah. All the gear and all the, all idea. the ideas. And how does one end up being Q? Uh, <laughs> I have to caveat that I'm not Q. <laughs> you Pick are, a, you just described You can call me Q. B. B. Sorry, yeah, there we go, B. Pick a different letter of the alphabet. Yeah, how does one end up being Q or B or so, a letter of the alphabet only? 
so there's I think a myriad ways in which is one of the things I want to say so absolutely if you're a a top flight mathematician or you're doing computer science uh, or a STEM degree that's one way in and we really value and want to get our hands on those people Um, but that's not the way that I got in and it's not the way that a lot of people got in Mm -hmm. so I did do a degree although that's not a requisite to come and work for us Mm -hmm. but mine was in the uh, deeply technical field of philosophy So I spent uh, a bunch of years at university being immersed in um, all of these great thinkers. And at that point, I had no idea what I was going to do. But I somehow found my way into working for one of the most technical (laughs) organisations in the nation. It's funny how life does that sometimes. Yeah, it throws us a few (laughs) curveballs. How did you find your way? Did they tap you on the shoulder one night when you were walking in the alleyway? So I can't work out if it was the best bit of reverse psychology or if the bloke that I thought to just genuinely thought I didn't have a chance. I did the very glamorous thing of wandering around a student careers fair. Ah, Do you remember those? And uh, I spoke to this bloke at GCHQ and once we'd established that it wasn't a bank, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a common misconception, (laughs) um, I asked him if there were any jobs for people like me. And uh, when he found out I didn't have a language or a maths degree, he said, well, there's a graduate management trainee, but you won't get in on that. And so Um, either that was genius psychology because I went home furiously and applied uh, or not. But either way, that is the reason that I applied and got in. So you you just applied? I just applied. What does applying look like? Is it like trying to get into Oxford? Uh, No, it's really not. Okay. It's um, it's competitive, which is brilliant. uh, And I want to encourage that. Um, we'd, we'd hope it's competitive. To I'd be have honest. to say, I don't know if it's like applying to Oxford because I didn't go to Oxford. Oh, okay. But you know those random questions? Because we, we get sent we get sent books all the time. I was in the office yesterday and I found the GCHQ Puzzle Book 2, which is now in all good bookstores. This is where I break out into it. a cold sweat. <laughs> you're going to ask me a puzzle, And I've been you? looking through it. Um, I did do the Oxford thing, but I did math, so I didn't get asked those random, you know, how many hamburgers are there in the world? No offence to Oxford, but that's a thing. Um, what What is the process actually? Do they just ask you these questions in the book or what do they? how does it work? So uh, I wouldn't comment on how the mathematicians get uh, assessed, but I don't think uh, that it is just the questions in the book. It's like applying for a job. So okay. you'll do an online form. Right. Um, I think you do an assessment centre. You certainly did when I went along. Oh. And it was a lot like the assessment centres that my friends described. Yeah. Um, you just get asked questions on how you, how you have handled situations, okay. uh, what your motivations are, where yeah. you're interested in the job. It's pretty ordinary. Okay. It's just you get an extraordinary job at the end of it. I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's where not, I drop into my spy do, voice yeah. and say... <laughs> do they not have to do like a, I don't know, clearance? Do they don't have to test if you can keep a secret? Ah, now Is that it not comes like afterwards. Big Brother where they have like secret missions? On the assessment centre. Well, clearly I can't keep a secret because a microphone <laughs> in my face. I'm looking nervously. It's gone after this. So what happens after that is you then go through something called um, developed vetting, um, which is where they look at uh, if you're able to maintain a security clearance. Right, OK. So there is that element of you need to then get and maintain a security clearance. Right. Which means that essentially the trust of the nation is placed in you to look yeah. after our most sensitive information. Does anyone ever drop out of security clearance? Yeah, people do. Do, do you get moved up? Is it like um, like a game where you get moved up and down levels depending on what you do? Not quite, but that would no. be awesome. be really good. Yeah. I have always wondered. So I was, I was thinking about this actually um, when I was preparing for this about so you're a manager. Yeah. And so it's almost like, are you able to manage? You're only able to manage certain people based off the clearance that you have. So it's um, with us, we've got everyone needs the top secret clearance to be working in our building. Every single person. Every single person. Oh, my goodness. Everyone. 
but that's what makes it wonderful is you have to have the clearance to get past the razor wire. But once you're past the razor wire, everyone does. So there's actually a culture of tremendous openness. Uh, Loads of of collaboration. We'll be in the coffee shops having like top secret coffees. That's pretty cool, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, I love my job. It's wicked. And it legit is. Does it have secret stuff in it? Uh, well, I, if they do, then the people who uh, are looking at the baristas uh, are keeping that a secret. But they've got secret clearances too. What it manages to contribute to is genuinely an air of openness and of collaboration. Yeah. And if you're working in a tech community, mm, you'll you know that, that you desperately need that. Yeah. So we can't afford to have people locked, locked away out. behind doors. Yeah. So the way we manage it is we put a lot of barbed wire around the outside, yeah. which you mostly forget. Um, and once you're through that, everyone's incredibly open and incredibly collaborative. I guess the other thing is you don't have any phones, so you have to talk to each other anyway. Yeah, it's true. Which there think, is there's, is there's no Facebook inside the wire. None at all. You don't no. even have your own Facebook internally. We do not have Facebook internally. Oh. Can I say that? Yes. We do not have Facebook internally. I guess it's almost a good thing that you don't have anything. Facebook yeah, there are fewer... There are fewer upsetting photo tagging incidents <laughs> when the image is not flattering to you. I'm not going to lie, there's not none. There's some corporate imagery of me, which I do not look my finest. <laughs> but it's not as bad as on Facebook. Um, do people go by first names only in the building as well? Or because you're all clearance, you can all know everything about each other? Uh, yeah, so um, there's no just using first names for us. We pretty much use our full names. And we and it's because um, it's quite a tight knit community. You do know quite a lot about each other. How many how many people are there? It is actually well into the thousands. It just doesn't feel like that when okay. you work there because we've got a real sense of community. So you'd get to know your teams and your wider teams. And we work across like operations and engineering and other departments. So it feels very very um, small, like a little village. What is it like in terms of... Because you've got this stereotypical portrayal of a cue or of a... What's whatever that? else it might be. What is it? What What's the stereotype? Like a spy. What's that person. like? It's a bit nervy. I, I suppose I was a bit nervy in coming a suit. in, actually. Not in a suit. I don't know. You, you just don't imagine you'd be able to sit on next to a spy on a bus, maybe. I don't know. You seem quite... Normal. Quite a good chance in Gloucestershire. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Quite a good in chance. Gloucester, everyone, every one of us. Um, what what kind of person works at GCHQ? Like, do you have women there? Do you have young people there in addition to the old? Do you have people in the middle? Do you have, I don't know. We have all kinds of people working for GCHQ. Like if you walk around what we call the street, um, you'll see literally people with mohawks uh, and you'll see people in three-piece suits. Do you have people with mullets? Uh, I've actually got a bit of a mullet at the moment because I'm growing my hair out. It's been an emotional time. Uh, I did not like having a mullet. If you have a mullet, that's an awesome choice. For me, it was an unavoidable stage. Um, I think, so we take diversity really seriously and that sounds like a buzzword and I feel rubbish saying it, but it's true. And I wouldn't come on on a podcast and say that if it wasn't true. Mm -hmm. And I've seen uh, the department really shift even in the time that I've been there. So um, when I've worked in some deeply technical areas and I've had the experience a lot of being the only woman in the room. Okay. um, Which you must have had. Yeah. A fair bit of that. I find I don't, I'm I'm weird though because I don't notice 
because I kind of look out and I see everyone else, but I don't see the odd one out. Whereas I'm sure for all of them, because I'm normally the young black female who likes Nando's from East London. So there's always a lot of things about <laughs> me that stand out. A great way of looking at it. <laughs> I mean, if, like when I'm in those rooms, I'm not the odd one out to me. No, no, you're not. You never Brilliant. are. If you're not very perceptive, although I guess you must be perceptive if you work at GCHQ, but you know what I mean. I just think that's a fantastic way of looking at it. Um, but I have, but, I've, sorry, I, yes. but I've no, I've had that experience, and I've had that kind of like, how do you make your voice heard and all that stuff. Okay. And I'm seeing the numbers really slowly shift, and it's something that we really deeply care about. Um, and we did a really cool thing last year. So with a, a couple of other deputy directors from the operational area, we just got ourselves together and looked at. Um, we happened to take a look at, I think it was gender equality for the department. And we were like, actually, this is people always say this is really tricky, but we approached it as we would an operational problem or a mission problem. Right. And we took that kind of skill set to this mm. um, and we worked with our HR department to come up with what's currently our um, gender equality strategy. And it was drawing on like some fantastic work. There is a book by a behavioural economist called Iris Bonet. I don't know if you've come across it. It's a brilliant book. Um, it she's It's called What Works okay. and she's based at Harvard and she's done loads of research into what actually has an impact. It happens to be on gender equality, but we care across all of the protected characteristics. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And of course, for all humans, because the more open a workplace is, the better it is for, for the humans, the all weather. of the humans. Exactly. A yeah. really good bellwether for that is... Um, how many women and how many people of colour mm. uh, and how many people from the LGBTQ community mm. are in there and happy being themselves and flourishing. Mm. But it's good for everyone. That's something we really take to heart. We've got a strategy that really cares about it. It's actually a big bit of my job. Okay. So on top of um, caring about kit. operational kit mm. and how our analysts are doing, I also care about um, what our diversity and inclusion is like. And that is true of all of my colleagues in mission jobs if you're a leader at GCHQ you care about diversity and it's a part of your job I'm really proud of that it feels like you're the at the heart the is depending on you to do it I think yeah. it's one of those things that there's so much data and so many different types of people that you're protecting and different types of situations that are born out of different perspectives that means that actually you probably can't do your job that well if you don't have it's like the legally blonde kind of thing of like you know just because she knew about perms that's how she was able to solve that case. And if she wasn't there, then, you know, the wrong person would have been. Yeah. You know, whatever it, would, it was. So I think it's one of those things where you you kind of do need different types of people to do the job well. Yeah. So it's quite important. And it just, um, it, it it's the right thing to do as well, right? Yeah. Like, so I'm I'm a big fan of all of the, the research that shows kind of how teams become more effective mm. and do their objectives better when you're in balanced teams. I also don't want to lose sight of the fact it's just the right thing to do mm. is that uh, people should be equal and they should have um, a chance to be in, a, a chance to be a spy and be in the heart of the security establishment. Um, and you shouldn't be put off from that just because you happen to be um, gay or you happen to be a woman. And it's something we take really seriously. And it's something that's cared about right across the department, which makes me proud to work there. It's like Incredibles. Boom. All kinds of different people, yeah. all kinds of different skills. All kinds of different superpowers, right? Do you have like an Incredibles family? Do you have like a GCHQ family? Is there a family? Is there anyone who works at GCHQ and their spouse is at GCHQ and they've got a kid that works at GCHQ? Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> totally. <gasps> They're like yeah. the Incredibles, but the GCHQables. My wife works at GCHQ. Does she really? Yeah. Did you meet at work? Totally met at work. <gasps> Can you tell us, tell us the story? Uh, <laughs> Did your eyes meet over the secret coffee? I will tell you the story. I was part of a course um, that she was attending 
<gasps> and um, weren't focusing on I the, came on the in late and joined her and I joined her group and everyone else had introduced themselves and then the facilitator was supposed to introduce everyone else but they didn't know who I was because I'd come in late and sat down so the first words she heard me say <laughs> were uh, and they were like and this is and there was a pause and I went uh, Beth international woman of mystery <laughs> and she didn't hate me <laughs> and listener she married me oh yeah <laughs> that's pretty cool that's a good opening line is it i don't know no i, I think that it could Mysterious. have all it could have all gone wrong really uh, yeah i think she just laughed at me she liked what she heard though well it, it went all right we are married that's, so that was yeah, the ending so that's of that. like a thing that's yeah. really sweet. That's really, that's a really <laughs> nice story. That should be like the next GCHQ campaign. Come and meet your wife. Because you're all international. <gasps> if you like international people of mystery. Oh my gosh, are GCHQ people on that, you know, the for, the special forces dating site thing? No, I do not know about that. Oh my gosh. Should be like a GCHQ Tinder. I feel like there's just, we're or just... Like a classified Tinder. <laughs> If you want to date someone that's an international person of mystery. I'm not going to add that to the list of kit that we're going to do. Listeners, some, you should do that. Someone should make that app. I don't. I can't even think of what we'd call it. GCH Kinder? <laughs> Quumble? So has anyone ever said, you know, call me Q or call me M or picked a different letter that's not in a Bond movie? They have not in our organisation. Uh, although I, it would be great to have a cool nickname. So so you're a, di- a deputy director at GCHQ, yeah. which means that we probably shouldn't really know everything about what you did last Tuesday. How much can you tell me? Is it is it nine to five? No. No. I guess it's flexible. It's so flexible. What's, so what's your what's your hour, typical hour? Um, it time really time. it really varies. So um, and this is something I'd recommend. I try and work with my energy. Okay. So some days I might be in at eight. Uh, and and work right through if the energy's until, flowing until like um ah oh, it would vary between like four and six okay which is pretty cool so eight till six what does that what do you actually physically do so my job's like a lot about talking to people okay so I think it would look really similar to um, anyone else who's leading a big team right or doing strategy yeah the difference is the content of what we're talking about yeah so you would see me sitting in meetings and you would see me uh, drinking coffee with people um, and I'm doing the standard kind of where do we need to be in the future and what does that look like and what do we need to invest in and what do our people need and how do we look after our teams the difference is that we're doing that on top secret material. That's what makes it, for me, really, really cool and interesting. What we're doing, which you'll appreciate as technology changes, gets harder and harder every day. Mm. And you really need to be able to work as part of a team to crack the kinds of challenges we've got because no single human can do that alone. Mm. However good you are, you will need the support of a team. So being able to um, get that team mentality hat on, understand that it's bigger than the sum of its parts, is huge for us. Mm-hmm. The other thing that... Um, I see and try to make sure is at the heart of what I do is curiosity. Mm -hmm. So I just think it's a superpower. I think if you can remain curious, whether that's about how things work or why things are going wrong in the heat of them going wrong or how you can be better or what you can learn, that's going to see you through so much. So um, I internally when I'm recruiting I look for that kind of curiosity in people who are constantly learning Mm. but also I try and make sure it's there for myself 
Okay. I found you can't be both curious and angry. And being angry is almost never helpful. And being oh, curious is very helpful. Okay. So when things are hard at work um, and stressful, or we've just got a really complex problem that's stretching to solve, I try and just put curiosity right at the heart of it and try mm. and understand why this is hard, what we might do differently and how we can come at it differently. And that isn't just a good technique. It kind of changes the way you're approaching it and the energy you bring into the room so that's that's my secret tip be really curious and the more stressed you get try and get really really curious about what's going on instead that's definitely helped me so what is it like to work there what you've said it's quite close-knit and it's quite a nice open environment yeah I I don't know like do you have things like flexible working like tell me something that might surprise me about the way things work so it's um it's a bunch of really good tr- contradictions okay. because on the one hand, you're working on really high octane, unbelievable stuff. And sometimes I take a step back from what we're working on or we have worked on and I pinch myself because you're right at the heart of the the leading events of the world mm. and you're contributing something to it mm. that is unique and that is phenomenal mm. it's also sometimes a little bit pressurized and it is really high octane so there's that element to it but then on the other hand we've got some tremendous um, policies around flexible working so um, being able to work hours that suit you and in a pattern that suits you in pretty much every job but you have to be in the office so there's not too much work no so we're actually um we're actually able to work from home quite a lot as well obviously not really on classified things but chunks of our work if you're looking at um strategy um or a little bit away from the operational sphere or if you're learning so if you want to take an afternoon off and um teach yourself some python or something like that then that's really supported and we encourage people to find patterns that really work for them so we can get the best out of them uh, and they can get the benefits of being able to work in this mission environment, but also still have a meaningful work-life balance. And work from home. And so yeah, sometimes in some contexts. Sounding pretty good. It is sounding yeah. really good. And it's, it's almost, not like an almost, Oxford interview. Almost Maybe too good to be true. No, it's not like an Oxford interview. <laughs> but I'm going to ask you a question since you yeah. said that. And this question is the first, the very first question. So no pressure if you're not going to get it. You might already know it because I think you've been involved in some of the book writing. This is the GCHQ Puzzle Book 2. Brand new edition came out in 2018. For the listeners at home, I've got a frozen smile of horror <laughs> on my face. She didn't tell me. Uh, you already have the job, though. So even if you don't get this right, I think you're going to be fine. I'm looking at everyone else in the room from the from her team. They're yeah. not looking that but sure. They're, <laughs> they're, they're laughing. That doesn't bode well. You've got to have faith in your colleagues. My colleagues quite often There we go, supportive work environment. Getting thumbs up now. Okay, so this, this is called The Early Bird. Do you know this one? No, I have no clue what's coming. Right. The early bird. What connects Skipper, Mumble, Wheezy, Pinga, Tux and Feathers McGraw? The early bird. What connects Skipper, Mumble, Wheezy, Pinga, Tux and Feathers McGraw? B, what is your answer? Well, so it would be too easy to... uh immediately give you the answer which of course I I could work out for myself if I chose when instead I'd want to embody the values that we've got which is that I'd reach out to uh, some people who are fabulous at this kind of thing and get no, them no, to help this me is solve not who it wants to be a millionaire. there's and no ask to, a friend uh, there's always phone no, a friend at GCHQ there's the... always phone a friend okay, so I would embody the leadership that I've learned and I'd reach out to the people who could uh, the experts could actually do this yeah because uh, I'm gonna can I tap out is that all right 
It's so penguins. Also, it's penguins. Did you know it's penguins? No, I did not know it was penguins, but I'm very good at lip reading. <laughs> it is actually fictional penguins. Oh. From Madagascar Happy Feet, Toy Story 2, Pingu, Linux and the Wrong Trousers. I really need to up my... That was the last one, Feathers McGraw. I do remember him. See, now, I don't know. If someone asked me that in an interview, I, f- I think I would get up and walk out. No one would ask you that in no. an interview. Like, I promise. <laughs> so that's what some people, or at least that's what I thought you did when I got sent this book from a mystery address as well. I must say, we didn't order it or anything. It just turned <laughs> up in the office. <laughs> don't know where we are. What do your parents... What do your parents think you do? Because well, it's not answering these puzzles all day. Cause I'm not sure what they actually think I do. And right. I'm sometimes frightened to ask the question because my parents are a little random. Okay. Uh, oh, hi, mum, if you're listening. Love parents. She did once think it was a bit like Lord of the Rings. I'm not sure where that was from. <laughs> um, but on a slightly more serious note, uh, they do know where I work. They know which organisation and close family and friends of mine do know where I work and we don't have cover stories in the same way that some other agencies do which actually in some ways really helps because it's um if you move to Gloucestershire straight after university uh, it can be quite hard keeping up a pretense so have you ever been tempted to make up a cover story no <laughs> that that's you ever been in a situation no you end know, of getting you, you know, into like a pickle how, like how when you go out to bars you have like a name like a fake name that you tell people I mean, I, you have a fake name in general anyway. I don't. B I think you have like Q. a cooler life than me if you're in bars with fake names. <laughs> no, you have to because you don't want the fun. person to find you again. So mine is Sarah. Oh, you've told everyone now? It doesn't matter. Because if you shout out Sarah in the street, I'm never going to turn around. Oh. And, and yeah. I, so don't, I don't think I'm in as much demand in bars <laughs> as you are. <laughs> no, but it covers. Have you never just been like, you know, I work, I work at GCSQ and actually I do all the kits. Have you never been like, I'm going to make something up? No, I'm like a lot more boring than I realised. It's no. like I'm doing a podcast. To d- n- no, mostly because I'm. This is. Uh, I'm or really bad at lying. Or is it? Be- is it because <laughs> the real story is actually kind of cool? I, so I think what we try. I try and do is um, number one is just avoid the questions in the first place if you can. Oh, I see. If you say vaguely that you work in IT, yeah, most people do not want to follow up that conversation, which oh, is handy. No, we want to change that. We want everyone yeah. to kind of be a part. So of the party. I, yeah, that will give me. A, that's a problem I'd love to have. <laughs> that people are super interested <laughs> if I say I'm in IT. And do you know what? Joking apart, that is changing. Yeah. So ten years ago, if I said I was in IT security, people just dozed off. Okay. And now they're kind of want to know what well, bit and what I think about stuff which is pretty cool security and that's awesome. it's a big thing there's a lot going on it's, this is a crazy world and there's yeah. all kinds of cyber stuff going on and more and more people are interested in it which is fantastic yeah and they do need to be interested in it but you do other things other than IT security uh, in GCHQ in, in life me yeah yeah what do you do to relax? Ah, uh, so uh, I've been on I've been on a journey. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is good. So I like it. I think probably the word is like calming down. Okay. So for a good few years, uh, my release was roller derby. I like it. It was pretty awesome. And you never made the story up at roller derby about what you did. I just like no that one. That seems at, like the right, the perfect kind of environment to be it's like. It's like Fight Club. Like oh. if you're in roller derby, you talk about roller derby, oh. and then you talk about roller skates, and then you talk about the like the injuries the not well yeah the injuries do happen but you talk in great detail about the kit you're going to buy when you get paid what was brilliant about it was um all the time I was playing roller derby I had really quite intense operational jobs that I loved um but it was brilliant because I had to leave on time because there's uh, a team 
that are quite leery and know how to push me over that depend on me turning up to training. So that's one thing. And the second thing is you just have to concentrate totally because if you lose a moment of concentration in roller derby, yeah, you're upon the floor, yeah. probably hurting. So it takes you out of work properly. And by that point that you finish training, you're so exhausted. You just want to go home and eat. So. And does work get quite stressful? So you said you're on a journey, actually. So you, so the, what's the next step in the journey of roller derby? It's, it's a bit of a U-turn from yeah. a full contact sport, right. but um, I got a bit old for that. And I was taking longer and longer to recover from games. Right. And uh, so I did more yoga and less roller derby to I the point see. that I retired. Yeah. Um, um, okay. And yoga is just great for stretching and for helping you get over a lot of roller derby. But that kind of um, developed my interest a little bit in meditation. I see, okay. Um, and I've been really interested in mindfulness uh-huh. and how that can help with your resilience at work, uh, particularly in jobs like ours, which are very cerebral and very intense, and yeah. you're in your head a lot. Mm. And the stakes can be quite high. That mm. is true about what we do. Um, so things that you can do that help you to uh, stay grounded, to react to the pressure in a way where it doesn't become negative and can kind of keep you in the game and also help make sure that you can look after your people. Um, and mindfulness has been really interesting for me on that. Have you brought it into work? Is that Because I know in a lot of different workplaces that's become a thing. I know there's yeah. a mental health first aider as well that we're trying to... Either it's been mandated or it's been legislated or it's like a new idea yeah. that's coming in. Is that something that's being embraced at GCHQ? Yeah, so mental first aiders in particular is something um, that we are doing as a department, which I think is fantastic. Mm. So I really support that. Um, at the moment with mindfulness, I use it personally quite a lot. And so I chatter away to anyone who's interested. But we've got a real push around wellness at the moment. And we take um, psychological safety and well-being really seriously because of some of the content of the topics that we look at. Mm. Uh, so I'm pretty sure that as I learn more about it, the organisation will be really open to having a conversation about if it's something we can integrate at work or not. Does your philosophy ever come into it? Cause, cause, and I say this because there's a lot of stuff, a lot of discussions that I'm part of for technology and tech, tech for good and talking about the ethics of what we do mm. and the fact that actually alongside things like coding or any other technical things that people are doing we should be teaching philosophy so that then we don't build these robots that kill ourselves is it something that comes up for you even more so because of where you are because it's like you know you've given this them this lipstick that's going to kill somebody you know so if they use it I'm, I'm going to go on record and say I've never <laughs> given anyone any deadly lipstick <laughs> That's, I've not done that. No. Plan not to. <laughs> um, but I think uh, so. I am massively, although sometimes I joke about my degree and how the heck did I end up where I end up. But actually, it gave me um, kind of two really powerful groundings. Mm-hmm. One is like training in logic. It yeah. was a bit of a shock to find out that I had to do formal logic when I got to uni. That was a, a, a bit of a horror. But um, it that's was... really early on in the course, though, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you should have looked at the syllabus they, before you applied. They weed you out. Yeah. Um, and I. <laughs> I uh, employed a bit of tenacity there and I kept turning up and I think they felt sorry for me. So they just made sure that I could <laughs> learn it. it. Yeah. And that is that is totally, if you're ever struggling with something, just keep turning up. <laughs> you will get there. Believe you can learn it and keep turning up, you'll get there. But that kind of formal logic really helped me have some discipline okay. about looking at things. And I think it helped me step back and approach things in a different way. Yeah. And look at the components of parts and test assumptions. And then I think there is that ethical component of it. So... Mm. Um, integrity is something we talk about a lot at work and it's huge to us so we're very aware that we've got um within law some incredible powers that we need to use on behalf of britain and the british people Mm. but with that comes tremendous responsibility Mm. and so we do have 
um, really honest and meaningful discussions around ethics uh, and how we apply it and just not just law, but our policy is just enshrined and in everything we do. Yeah. And that was, I remember when I joined, which is almost 15 years ago now, I went in expecting that. Did you say 50? 15. Yeah, okay. I'm not say, like, got gosh, some magic yeah. youth serum. Yeah. That might be another secret you guys One have fine. in the building. Okay, cool, yeah. <laughs> oh no, I let it slip. <laughs> Five decades, not true. Um, I remember that the just being really impressed on like week one, mm. the seriousness with... Uh, which people took that and feeling like actually I have joined an organisation where I'm not going to need to worry about my ethics. Yeah, okay. I take care of them and I think about them, but I feel really safe working where I work that that's taken seriously. Because I imagine that's the other thing that people would consider or would be apprehensive about looking yeah. in to be like, how do you know that, you know, if you are working on serious crime or if you are working on terrorism, how do you know that you're operating on the right side of yeah. good? It does become like a good versus evil kind of thing, doesn't it? It is a little bit Lord of the Rings, <laughs> sort of. Yeah, so I think we operate within one of the strongest oversight regimes in the world. Mm. And I can say what it feels like from the inside, which is it's really clear which side we're on. Mm. Um, and it's really clear the kind of good that we're doing. And if you look at some of the topics that we work on, so um, child sexual exploitation mm. and helping and supporting the police to tackle that, that's a that's a really obvious case of where we're just straightforwardly doing good in the world. So you mentioned the police there. Yeah. I want to go into a little bit more about where you fit, where the police fits with GCHQ, fits with mm-hmm. MI5, fits with MI6, fits with, I don't know if we're going to call it MI7 or whatever, there's maybe another secret, secret <laughs> element of what's going on there that we all shouldn't know. How does it, how does it fit together? Do you... Do you work together? Does does it cross over? Because it's uh, the only thing I've ever heard or seen is that, that you kind of sit in the middle of MI5 and MI6. It's kind of what I've heard. So um, first up is it's a massively collaborative space. So one of the things I love about my job is that in any given week, I'll be working. I, I could well be working with MI5, with SIS. We might collaborate with law enforcement. SIS. Yeah, Secret Intelligence Service. So okay. it's often known as MI6, I guess. Oh, sorry. Right, yeah, okay. sorry, yep. that's my language. That's all right. Um, I guess like a handy way of thinking about it is that the difference between us and MI6 is that we really concentrate on the comms technology. Okay. So uh, if there's a need to kind of get to grips with a comms technology challenge to get intelligence or to defend, then that's probably us. Okay. Uh, and if it's more about working with humans to try and get that intelligence and that insight, then that's most likely to I be MI6. Okay. And then the big difference between us and um, MI5 is that they tend to focus on the domestic threat. So you'll see them on terrorism, for example. Yeah. And we tend to look more towards foreign intelligence do. and overseas. Okay. That's a big cartoon, Yeah. Uh, but that's a helpful way of thinking about it. And then someone said NCSC. Yep. Where does that fit? That's the National Cyber Security Centre. Thank you very much. Um, And that is a part of us. So we've got a couple of mandates. So um, we've got obviously the intelligence and the defend the nation in terms of keeping us safe from CT, from serious crime, from other threats, Mm counter-terrorism. And then we've got the kind of keep the internet safe. So what we're trying to do with the NCSC is help Britain stay safe online and operate securely. And that's really important for a number of reasons. And because of who we are as an organisation, we found that we had a lot of the expertise sat within our building. And so we formed the National Cyber Security Centre, which is a part of GCHQ, but obviously has a much more open and uh, forward-facing 
uh, remit. So it feels a little bit different to work in there and they've got a slightly different mission. Fewer cover stories and more surnames at the NCSC (laughs) or not really? Um, I think there's actually more members of staff would be facing open. uh, Sorry, it would be... um, more members of staff would have a public profile there. Okay. Uh, but also just a lot more of what we do is available. So we, we want to get out and give people guidance there. So the NCSC will be sharing best practice. If you want to learn a bit more about how to keep safe online, they're a great resource. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's got a slightly different feel to it than some of our more, more secret stuff, which we need to keep secret so yeah. that we can carry on pe- keeping people safe. Is there a hotline? Is there a there? There is not, to my knowledge, a hotline. Oh, so my press office looking a bit sad. Like, she no. might be the hotline. If you need to engage, <laughs> like if you need to engage GCHQ, if you have a com security dilemma, how do you call GCHQ? Enlist GCHQ? Rope in GCHQ? Like how? How does if people if someone needs a kit, a piece of kit that you've put together, how do you? Oh, know? I'm gonna. Do you know what? I'm gonna try and answer this, and I think it might sound quite cool. If like if you need us, then we'll know. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't call you that, because yeah, I'm gonna just spin that as really cool. No, you you can't call <laughs> you us. Can't. <laughs> how do I give? How who gives GCHQ work to do? So it comes through central government, right? So what so I we, have to call Teresa or whoever it is at the moment when this comes out, Prime Minister. Yeah, if you can call the Prime Minister... Then Prime Minister will call... Like, the B. Prime Minister definitely has the ability... <laughs> to call... Has the Prime Minister ever called you and been like, I need a lipstick to... The Prime Minister has never called me to ask for a killer lipstick. For a killer lipstick. No. Or, or, I guess, I think, can you tell us if... The, has the Prime Minister called you? The Prime Minister has not called has not me. Called I feel sad now. It will come, I'm sure. You're in the right place. And what's the hardest thing... So you're within GCHQ, within the main GCHQ. What's the hardest thing, would you say, about your job? So I had to think about this. And I think, honestly, the hardest thing is some of the decisions that we have to make. Mm-hmm. So like every industry and every department, our resource isn't infinite. So we can't take forward every single brilliant idea that would help in tech. Yeah. And we can't do every single operation that if our resource was infinite that we'd want to do. So we do have to make very real and very hard decisions about what to do with the resources that we've got. Mm. And that's probably the hardest thing that we have to do. So it's almost like a what would Beyonce do? I, th- I think that is a great, oh, that's a great guide for Who's life. Who's the equivalent? Maybe not Beyonce. What would? I don't know. Tintin? Tintin a spy? Boudicca. <gasps> well, she's just great, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, she's, and she's British, right? Yeah, she's British. Yeah, she, she'd thing. be all right with the clearance. What would Boudicca do? She yeah, would, would do you think? Do? I, I, I mean, more of a warrior than an intelligence person, right, Boudicca? Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, if she turned up, she's a Brit- she'd be a British citizen. I mean, we talked to security, but, you know. She would. Who inspires you other than Boudicca? Ah, so um, I have to get her name right because in my head she's the magical space lady. But I think it is Dr. Maggie Adairan Pocock. Maggie, really? Maggie Adairan Pocock? She's um, freaking awesome. She's the coolest. So she... So the reason that I like, I, I still remember seeing her for the first time on BBC Breakfast. Oh, okay. Because I was just rooted to the telly because I just felt so much enthusiasm coming from her about space. And I rem- remembered all of my childhood dreams about wanting to like study the stars and be an astronomer. Late. Never too late. Never too, yeah. I'm sure, See, I'm sure she makes overlap. me feel like that. And that's the thing I love about her is I think sometimes when you've got someone with like a glittering career who's really mastered their topic, they can use that knowledge a little bit to 
sort of prop themselves up. Yeah. And with her, I just feel like she's just giving it away in handfuls. Yeah. Like, be excited about this. This could be you. You can access this. The other thing I really like about her, she's she's so open about being a mum, which I yeah. think often as well, when you think about space scientists or certain people, you, you almost forget that they're a human being behind yeah. or that, you know, they have other things. But with her, if you Google Maggie Adderin Pocock, so many of the images, I think her daughter's name is Hannah. I think it's Hannah is always on her waist. I did like, I watched, um, I remember seeing a, a video of her giving like a career talk or something. Yeah. And I loved that she had, I remember seeing her daughter with her and yeah. I thought so many people talk about it, but she she's doing it yeah. and she's demonstrating it and she's putting like that image out into the world. Yeah. Like receiving awards on BBC yeah. Breakfast, everything with just, just Hannah, just Hannah on her waist. It. And I just think it would be like, I've only seen her on the telly and I listen to her and I feel like I could learn about space. And I just think that's a brilliant thing to aspire to is what if I can make, if I have an interaction with someone, they could leave in some way a bit more uplifted than yeah. when they met. And, and she really inspires me to do that. Looking back on your career, is there anything you do differently? Uh, so it actually isn't my career when I was thinking about, so I love mistakes, mm-hmm. uh, not at the time, usually horrific at the time, <laughs> but I love the learning that they bring. Mm-hmm. So when I'm thinking about what was hard or difficult, usually I'm really glad that I went through it. I'm a big fan of like growth mindset. I'm yep. a big fan of seeking out and acting on feedback. Mm-hmm. So I don't um, have kind of career regrets in particular, but I do have a little, um, I, I wish I wish I'd done an A-level in physics. Okay. And I will tell you why. Because I loved it as a subject, um, it made my brain tingle mm-hmm. and I found it hard and I plugged my way through it and it opened my imagination up in ways that no other subject really did. But when it came to w- what to do for my A-levels, I went for the things that I thought I'd get A-grades in, okay. that I'd do the best possible I could and yeah. I'll get the top grades. Yeah. And the reason I didn't take this subject that made my brain tingle was because I might get a B grade or a C grade. Mm. And it just makes me really sad that I missed out on two years of learning something it's fantastic. It's never too late, Because I thought I wouldn't get the top grade. You I, could do it now. You see, you're channeling Dr. Maggie now. Yeah. And I'm going to... Could do your work from home. Yeah, could do it. And uh, do you know what I might? And just for anyone listening out there, don't shy away from something that makes your brain tingle mm. because you think you might not get an A grade or a B grade or a C grade. Just go and follow it anyway. Mm. And I don't think it would have changed the course of my career but I'd know more about something that interested me and that's always worth doing. Confused science and philosophy is what my thing is now that I'm advocating for people to do. Yes. we're going to need it. We're going to so need so to understand the, don't kill the us. ethics of yes. the robots what you're building. killing us. Yeah. Yeah. And logically being like, I'm going to build this system so that people can't troll other people. I love that. That's Which fantastic. I think if, if, if Zuck had paid attention a little bit more in philosophy class and wasn't building hot or not... Know, and like, sorry, the thing about um, having philosophical and ethical discussions around technology, I think it's phenomenal because mm. I think when you're talking to another person, there's a whole load of emotions get in the way yeah. around um, if you're having conversations about bias. Whereas yeah. if you're talking about a bit of software, mm. then it's feelings can't get hurt. Mm. And I think it provides just this fantastic space to have a meaningful conversation around what it means to be human and what we want that to be mm. and how we want our technology to reflect and that. And where, where we draw lines right, where we draw lines. or where we enhance the human experience yeah. rather than just building an app for our apps, apps, app. Yeah, I just think that is a fantastic and rich conversation. Mm. And that's the sort of future that I get really excited about for humans. So, boom, good luck with that. In strategizing and planning for the future at somewhere like GCHQ, which is does have to be 
cutting edge to do what you do properly. How far in advance are you planning for, are you prepping for, are you considering? Like, is there a contingency plan for Robocop, for example? Or is it kind of slightly shorter time period? So I have seen many business continuity plans. I've never seen one about Robocop specifically. Or UFOs. <laughs> or UFOs. No. Um, so I think it's the same with a lot of businesses is we've got um, strategies that work at different points. Mm-hmm. So we've kind of got the really, you're thinking really far out about what's coming down the line that we might need to conceive of. Mm. A little bit closer in you're thinking about actually what serious research is kicking up things like that look like they might really hit um, and how would we respond to that and also how might we might use of certain techniques. So the really interesting thing about what we do is things are both opportunities and threats in yep. a really meaningful way. Mm. So we might be able to take um, techniques and, um, uh, and advancements that are emerging to help do our jobs better, but the exact same technology is going to be in the hands of the people who wish to do us harm. Mm. So we've got this real kind of... Um, quandary of how do we make use of things as they emerge but also how do we make sure that we understand how our adversaries might use it mm. and how what will we need to do differently to keep Britain safe um, in, in, in an era where this is a common technology and then we face all the um, same challenges of businesses uh, and departments which is the emerging technology that's really coming out there that is happening how do we integrate that into our business how do we make sure that people are using it and then also how do we respond to our adversaries who are using that tech too. What's the buzz buzzword that people are most like oh how do we apply ai what we do how do we apply blockchain how do we apply so i drones think, um, i don't even know if we should talk about drones to be to be honest but yeah it just makes gatwick sound yeah. i think Gosh. um so i think uh i think it's probably fair to, there's a lot of buzzwords uh but like everywhere else we're interested in ai we're interested in machine learning we're interested in what that could do for our business mm. but i think we're also interested in what it's going to do in the in the comms world mm. um and in the way that people are interacting with technology and what does that mean for adversaries and for what they might be up to as well you have a museum in the building which is kind of cool do. yeah do you know what? it's it is tremendous to walk past that on the daily yeah and if you're ever feeling a bit like oh it's a monday go and take a walk past enigma yeah and just realize you're in this building this tremendous history but and it's i just muse- looked at actual it's like enigma. a museum thing it's not even a because you've got like quite a few different mm. artifacts that are there which i think is kind of random to have in an office to be fair the other thing that is quite cool is you do have like an inner sanctum which i've not been into the inner sanctum oh a little garden no, there's like a like the next building. I've only been in one of the buildings. It's because it's I don't know how much of us I can say. Can I say it's, it's a donut, right? So yeah, people. If you Google it, you can see it. So I guess that's a thing. Um, but there's like an inner circle bit that I have not been in. So I literally haven't been into the inner circle. So to me, that you've got like aliens and dinosaurs and all kinds in there. Really like it if we had dinosaurs so or cool. other prehistoric mammals. It'd be amazing. I've not seen them. No, we do have a Greg's. Can I say that? You we've have got, a Greg's inside GCHQ. Not yet. This has caused like a lot of excitement. Are they going to have the vegan sausage roll? I, I hope so. <gasps> I need to try that. Oh my gosh. Next time I come, can we go to the Greg's? How is that? That's so cool. I wish I had a Greg's. You don't even have a Greg's here, the Evening Standard. Is there even the Greg's downstairs? It's, it's, Kens- it's High Street Kensington. It's not really Greg's kind of people, is it? We're Greg's kind of people. What? Oh, wow. That's amazing. I've, I think we should end on that. There's a Greg's at GCHQ unbelievable i think the closing thought is i can't believe you've got a greg's at gchq 
Oh, yeah, of course. Sorry. Thanks, Beth. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you for coming, Beth. Thank you for opening up. And the I can't believe you left Greg's till last. I feel like I should do a last stab of also if you're interested in a career in STEM, whether or not you've got a technology background, we've got loads of opportunities. Come and, and join it's this brilliant. party. They've got Greg. That's <laughs> literally is it. All that's left for you to do is subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts. It would also really help us if you rate and review it too. You can follow Beth on Twitter and Instagram at only joking, you you can't follow her. Don't know if you're listening, but she's not allowed to be on Twitter or Instagram or anything else. But you can follow her employer, GCHQ, on Twitter and Insta at GCHQ. For the latest news, sports, entertainment, and more audio content, visit standard.co.uk. We're Evening Standard on Twitter and on Insta it's evening.standard. I and Marie live on Twitter at AMAFIDON. Good luck spelling that. And on Instagram at NotYourAverageAMI, which is a little bit easier to spell. Get in touch, have a chat, ask questions using the hashtag WomenTechCharge. Listener.